Hello, good afternoon and welcome to Joy Newsroom. We're live on Go TV Channel 125 and DSTV Channel 2421 and also around the globe at myjoyonline.com. My name is Faustina. So for coming up this afternoon, tourism minister tells diaspora community to disregard any attempt to portray Africa as a continent without disease and corruption we have more from him as Ghana readies itself for this year's Emancipation Day celebration. Family of two fishermen who died at sea last Thursday demand body of their relatives for burial before Homoro starts in August, brushing aside the need for autopsy report. And the Hard Board says it has begun preparations towards an improved pilgrimage in 2024. We'll hear from the chairman as he welcomes last batch of pilgrims back into the country. And in business, government to use media budgets to provide more update on measures to restore macroeconomic stability. We have details of these stories, including the latest in world news and sports. Do stay tuned in. Thanks for staying with us. Now, Minister for Tourism, Dr. Ibrahim Mohamed Awal, is urging the diaspora to dismiss the portrayal of Africa as a land full of disease and corruption. Speaking at the World Lane Ceremony as part of activities to mark this year's Emancipation Day and Panafest celebration, he urged Africans in the diaspora to support the development of the continent. We have to go beyond the political emancipation of Africa. We need to focus on the economic development of Africa. To achieve that, the U.S. has a GDP of $34 trillion. And the African community, the black community, has committed a lot to this development. I want you to look back to the homeland. Build partnerships. Build relationships with your motherland. So that we can drill from there. Let us ignore the Western media about Africa. To the Western media, Africa is hopeless. Disease is corruption. Africa is beyond that. Mr. Katie, Captain Jason, let's look brand Africa. Tell the world Africa has a lot to offer. Rich and diverse culture. Born people, good people, natural resources. We need this partnership between Africa and the diaspora. African America, to turn Africa around. We are very talented young people. 65% of Africans are below the age of 25 years. Well-educated, willing, and hungry for success. I extend a heart of friendship to them. Let's build the human resource of Africa so that tomorrow we'll not complete tomorrow's slavery. I want to thank you all for supporting us. And together, let's build and renew Africa. The Desert Africa project cannot succeed without diaspora.
while the chief executive officer of the Ghana Tourism Authority, Akwesi Ajiman, urged all Africans in the diaspora to work and break the mental chains that stops us from going all out to achieve the best for the continent. We are here as a gesture of unity. We are here also as a point of reflection and education. As we are coming and as you are here, I think it's time for us to re-educate ourselves about what emancipation means, about what the struggle meant, and about how our forebears and our ancestors went through hundreds of years of struggle so that you and I can be free. And today we are here gathered finally as a reminder and a renewal of our commitment to the struggle. Like we're told at Padmore, the chains are off, but the chains are in our minds. And so we need to free ourselves of the mental slavery that still holds us down. And so we're here hoping to lay wreaths in memory of our ancestors, but also to renew our commitment in the struggle for true emancipation and emancipation of our mind. Now, families of two fishermen who died at sea while fishing last Thursday say they cannot wait for an autopsy to be conducted on their relative before burial. They explained that the deceased per customs must be buried before the Homol Festival starts in August. The deceased 44-year-old Samuel Akwe Alote and 27-year-old Francis Tete were in the same canoe with 10 other fishermen when their canoe capsized after a collision with a boat in Tema. Correspondent Kwame Yanka has more in the following report. Since the news on the death of the two fishers, Samuel Akwe Alote and Francis Tete got to residence in the early hours of Thursday, July 27, friends and well wishers have written the breed families to console them. To show its support in this difficult period, Tamil Metropolitan Security Council, led by Mayor Yohani Amashite, visited the families at Tamil Newtown. Richmond Amanan, who is a relative of one of the deceased, Francis Tete, told the council that the bereaved families are not interested in any autopsy procedures at the moment and want to bury their dead before homo next month. Joy News has learned that 27-year-old Francis Tete's wife gave birth a few days ago as the deceased fisher couldn't see his child before passing. Upon reaching the hospital, doctors suggested that autopsy be done as required. But we are pleading with the likes of Tema Metropolitan Chief Executive to step in so the autopsy process does not impede our plans in any way. Homawa is just around the corner, and we wouldn't want this process to become an impediment. There is no need to go through this, knowing how it is likely to affect us. We want to bury our relatives before celebrating the festival. Nana Oye Ankama, an auntie to 44-year-old Samuel Akwe Alote, could not hold back her tears. 
According to her, the family is devastated. Samuel Akweyalote is the only child of my sister. The fishers were not at sea of their own accord. Elders asked them to go as part of the homo preparations. A letter was earlier sent to the authorities due to the enforcement of the closed season. We want those behind this Carlot Act to know that they've beaten more than they can chew. Tema Metropolitan Chief Executive Johanny Amashite assured the real families that a committee has been formed to investigate the matter and help punish those found responsible for the death of the two fishers. We as Mesek will visit the family again and are ready to assist in the preparations for the burial of the deceased fishes. We will also provide financial support in that regard. The families have told the council to help bring finality to the matter as the incident at sea has infuriated the youth in the community. Kwame Yankesh reports for Joy News. Well, managers of the Akuse prisons are calling for the expansion of their facility to ease congestion. The second-in-command in charge of operations and intelligence, ASP Zachariah Idrisu, says the situation is having a toll on the operation. He made that call when the Christ Hope for Hopeless Foundation, in collaboration with Regal Brains Consult, visited the prisons to give skills training to inmates and donated some items to them. There's more in the following report. The Akuse prisons, like many other prison facilities in Ghana, faces a plethora of challenges. The facility that has a capacity of about 150 currently houses about 247 inmates. Officers at the facility say the situation, coupled with the inadequate feeding fee, is having a toll on the operation of the facility. The outrage by the Christ Hope for the Hopeless Foundation and the Regal Brains Consult is to equip the inmates with skills to help them fit into society after serving their sentences. The inmates were given training on manufacturing liquid soap, bar soap, washing powder, ointment, weedicide, among others. ASP Zakaria Idrisu is the second in command of the operations and intelligence of the Akusi prisons. Um, we are really blessed today to have these people who came here today to donate this item to us. In fact, this will go a long way to supplement our ration that we give to inmates. We have a lot of challenges. Um, one I'll talk about is our ration. Our ration, in fact, is nothing to write home about. Every prisoner is, um, is being marked once in 80 pesos a day, which is not, uh, when you look at in today's terms, which is not uh, sustainable. So our challenge is the feeding. We also have a problem with bedding, where they sleep. The prisons are overcrowded. If we have the opportunity of expanding the prisons, 
it will be relevant in our uh, the way we can take care of them. And also, um, we have uh, a lot of activities, trade, vocational training for this event, but we don't have equipment. So if we have people that can donate equipment for us so that we can rehabilitate these people and also train them and reintegrate them purposely back to society, it will go a long way to help us. So they should help us in their feeding, their bedding, and also the trade, the vocational skills. We need equipment for these inmates. The nurse in charge of the prison's infirmary, Sergeant Yvonne Akumen, also bemoaned the lack of proper infirmary infrastructure, logistics and drugs in the prisons. She says this is affecting the delivery of quality primary health care to the inmates. Okay, so what we normally do is that we treat the minor cases and we refer the major cases. But we have a lot of problems or issues here. Number one is the space. If I'm to take you to the infirmary, you realize that the infirmary is just a small space and it has two bed capacity. So normally we don't even detain because the, the place is small. Number two, we are lacking drugs. We don't have drugs. What we do is that we ask, we solicit for drugs from philanthropists and NGOs. They help us in, in the drugs that they use. Because, because we have an overcrowding, places overcrowded. When there is an outbreak of chickenpox, it affects both inmates and the officers because the space is small. Founder of the Christ Hope for the Hopeless Foundation, Reverend she says the gesture forms part of the organization's move to empower inmates to enable them live life after the prisons. In prison, Jesus said, I was in prison and you did not visit me. I was hungry, you did not feed me. I was naked and you didn't include me. And the Christians or the righteous will say, Ah, when did we see you in prison? So when the Lord said this thing to me, I was so much inspired. Most especially if God sent you, you don't need to say, I will not go. And we carry this assignment for many years now. Though there are a lot of challenges that we do encounter, but because God is in it, when we encounter the challenge, we go back to God and he always gives us a solution. I will um, advise society that they are humans. And to err is a human. And what they have gone through, we shouldn't reject them. We should accept that if God, who made the heavens and earth, will care for them, how much more you and I as a human so we need to just accept them into society and do the needful. Whatever we can do to contribute to their well-being, we should be able to do that. Prince Kwame Kudugas reports right to you. Let's head now to the Bono East region where the regional director of the National Health Insurance Authority, George Opon Dakwa, has revealed that the region has witnessed an increase in its active membership for the past year. The development, which according to him, is as a result of the authority's digitization drive, which has brought a positive step towards helping the country to achieve universal health coverage by 2023, he made this disclosure during the media review meeting of the NHIA head held in Techiman. And our summit has more in this report. Following a move to digitize the registration process of the National Health Insurance Scheme, the Bono East region has witnessed an increase in its active membership over the past couple of years. This was revealed during the mid-year review meeting of the authority held in the Tishman municipality. 
Regional Director of the NHIA, George Opon Dankwa, who disclosed this to Joy News, noted that the development is a positive step towards helping achieve universal health coverage by the year 2030. For Bono East, anything health insurance, we attach serious attention to it. So from even what we you witnessed this morning, mobile renewal, we have about 70.9 percent as our achievement for the media and individually the chairman even had about 80 something 89 points almost 90 percent per their uh, uh, performance for the media so we have made serious uh, announcements on mobile renewal and as i told you our people have understood the mobile renewal concept and they are using it. And that's why the Chiman office in particular, every year they keep on either first or second nationwide. And Bono is uh, two years now, we have been also doing excellently well uh, in terms of mobile renewal. So in terms of mobile renewal, we have educated, well educated our people and they are using it. He was, however, quick to note that with the establishment of a new regional office complex coupled the provision of vehicles to facilitate the movement of its staff, the region is working towards ensuring that it achieves its targets by the end of the year. By the grace of God and the government and our management, they have promised us with very nice edifice, our regional office. Now we are not patching with the Tetimum Municipal Office again. We have our own very beautiful office complex. And also, we have vehicles to support our operations. All the material that we need to support our operations, head office, they have given to us. We have computers, we have ID cards, we have all the uh, BMS materials to support our work. And as you are all aware, we have resolved that by the close of the year, we will achieve our targets. George Opondankwa, however, disclosed that the authority is working towards ensuring that the issue of co-payment and the illegal extortion of monies by some service providers are curtailed. We will applaud our chief executive. He has established what we call a co-payment committee. We have the national co-payment committee, we have the regional ones, and we have the district ones, which are also doing their best to resolve all these issues. And uh, recently, we released the money to pay our uh, facilities up to January 2023. And uh, tariffs too have been increased. So authority is doing everything possible to keep this uh, challenge of co-payments. The region is currently 11th on the National Active Performance Chart after securing 70.3% of its target for the second quarter of the year. Anna Sabit, Joy News, Tichiman.
Well, a study conducted by the Hepatitis Foundation of Ghana has shown that there are more people living with the condition in northern Ghana compared to the southern part of the country. Director of the foundation, Chiobald Owusu-Ansa, said the condition is, however, not a death sentence, so persons diagnosed with the disease should avail themselves for proper medical care. He made this known during a screening exercise in Tamale, organized in partnership with Drive for Health Foundation and the Ghana Health Service in a bid to sensitize the populace and to encourage them to adopt healthy lifestyles. This year's World Hepatitis Day was under the theme One Life, One Liver. It highlighted the importance of the liver for a healthy life and the need to scale up viral hepatitis prevention, testing and treatment to optimize liver health prevent liver disease and achieve 2030 hepatitis elimination goal. Mr. Uswansa says even in Kumasi where the screening was done last year, about 10% of those who tested positive came from the north. So after the study, we noticed that the prevalent rate in the sixth northern part of Ghana is high. So this that prompts us that okay, this year, last year, we celebrated the World of Tartis Day in Kumasi. So this year, why don't you bring it here to uh, celebrate the day with the uh, people of Kamale? We we group them into zones like the southern zone and the northern zone. But the northern zone is there. Uh, Kumasi from Kumasi going in. Last year when we did the training in Kumasi by 10 o'clock a.m. Now we have gotten about uh, 20 people testing positive for hepatitis B. And after the, te- uh, the, the, the study, we, we, we could see that majority of people who are living with hepatitis B is from this area, about 10% from this area. And when we go to hep- like hep- Upper West, hepatitis C is 12% in Upper West. Yes, hepatitis B and C is not a death sentence. If you tested positive today, there is still hope. And if you tested negative, you have to be vaccinated. So hepatitis B and C is not, as I said, it's not a death sentence. There is a cure for hepatitis C. And good news is that Ghana government is offering free treatment for all people who are living with hepatitis C. But hepatitis B, there is no treatment now. There is no free treatment now. But there is treatment. And hepatitis B is manageable. The executive director for Drive for Health Foundation Ghana, Suglo Damascus on his past, raised concerns over the continuous stigmatization of people who have been diagnosed with hepatitis. The major issue we have is the stigma. Stigma is one big issue that we have and we think that it has to do with, it all boils down to lack of education. So that's one thing we do best, we try to do best. And this morning we're just engaging the community to tell them more about viral hepatitis and the, the, the importance of knowing the assemblyman for Lamashego South, Masuru Isa, on his part said the screening will help the people of the area know their status and also know about the disease. As the same goes, health first. If you are not healthy, you cannot work, you cannot do anything. So I'm very, very excited that this exercise is taking place in my community because most of the people in the community will get to know their status and then also be able to have some education on the hepatitis B and C and how to prevent themselves from getting the disease. 
From up north, let's head now to the Ashanti region. Pipeborne water uses within the Pramsu water supply area in the Busumtree district of the Ashanti region are grappling with contamination of their source of water due to iron particle deposits. For over a decade, water supply in the community has been heavily polluted with iron residues with no established source of the contamination. The water treatment station has incurred huge financial losses in their efforts to resolve the challenge by periodic flushing of pipelines. Emmanuel Bright-Kweko has been following this development in Father's report. During deliberations at the second learning forum of the Network of Community Water Services, NETCOAS, it emerged that the Pramso community continues to battle iron water contamination with most households unable to consume the water. The community's initial underground water source, built in 2005, was shut down nearly six years ago after a new source was constructed to help the situation, but the problem persists. Isaac Amankwa, a systems manager for the Pramso Water Supply Area. The Pramso Water System is actually facing some challenges on iron content in our water. Uh, it's high when uh, there's no water running through the pipelines. We go for a, a water test at Ghana Water Company to test to see the content of iron if we can still use it or we have to shut the system down. But from the various tests that we conducted, it, it seems the iron content is usable, so we are able to use the water. But this, uh, the iron content is not automatically out of the water. We have no intention of changing the because we've drilled two boreholes. Each of them has iron content in it. So there's a possibility that when you drill another, you get the same. Managers at the water station develop strategies to flash water lines occasionally to reduce the chemical concentration to various households. Although a significant amount of the contamination is decreased through the process, this interim solution is rather overburdening the water station with huge electricity costs. It's high when uh, there's no water running through the pipelines. But after some times, then we get water passing through the pipe connection lines for about two hours. Then the iron stain settles. We have to let the system or the pump machine stay on for a long time. Because when you shut the machines off and there's no water being pumped into the lines, then the pipelines becomes dry for the iron content to be high again. So it's costing the system too, Many, too much. You, you know. Experts indicate that huge sums of money are required for the water treatment. Lecturer at the Planning Department of KNUST, Professor Imoro Brahma, however, suggests immediate local solution to prevent foreseeable health consequences. The technology is available to remove the iron from the water systems, um, but it's a little bit expensive. Uh, there are also trials. I know within the university, some people are doing trials. So that is the area where maybe government can come together with the research institutions so that we together uh, find ways of removing the iron content at a very cheap, uh, affordable price. 
NETCOAS, through its Water Supply and Sustainability Improvements Program, is providing support to rural town piped water services. President of the association, Impobihene Nana Oususapon, indicated the group is putting in place measures to procure an iron removal machinery. We are with the, our sponsors, the Aqua for All. We're planning to build the iron removal plants so that communities that have got higher iron content in them, we can go and help them. Moreover, that's why we are setting up a capital account for every community. So through that, we can lend them loans to buy whatever chemicals they need for the iron removal. For the time being, water users would have to resort to other domestic users of the water source than consumption. For Joy News, my name is Emmanuel Brightquick. Now, the Joy News Impact Makers Awardee, Mrs. Ellen Waitopoku, has rolled out a project set to provide employable vocational skills training to empower and enhance the socioeconomic livelihoods of 2,800 final year junior high school girls in the Techiman municipality. The Livelihood Empowerment Program, according to Ellen, is to, among other things, help reduce teenage pregnancies in the community. There's more in this report. Young girls in most rural settings want to earn an education but struggle to stay in school once they hit puberty and predatory men take advantage of the situation to offer some paltry sums of money to these vulnerable girls who they can afford school or sanitary supplies. These men who expect favors in return end up sleeping and impregnating these vulnerable girls at the end. To help address these worrying menace, particularly amongst junior high school girls, Mrs. Ellen White Opoku, Techima Municipal Girl Child Coordinator and Joy News Impact Megas Award is instituting an initiative to help provide skills training to all final year girls at the junior high school level across the Techima municipality of the Bono East region. We are here today to empower our girls through skills training. And this is as a result of some of the cases or issues after writing BEC, we have realized that a lot of them uh, become pregnant after writing BEC simply because they are not able to cater or uh, their basic needs are not met. Ellen, who was motivated by a support she once offered a needy girl by providing her with a skill training, is optimistic that the training would go a long way to help empower these girls in diverse ways after school. Um, I was touched by one of our girls, one of our needy girls, who came to me for support. And at the end of the day, I was able to introduce her to a friend. And so a friend taught her pastries. And she was able to go home and teach her mother and her siblings. And as we speak now, the girl tells me, Madam, my mother has a small kiosk where she sells pie and donuts and other things with ice kinky and other things and because of that she doesn't need that support again but before then she was coming to me all the time for her basic needs and so i think this will go a long way to help our girls the project which is being executed with the aid of the girls support movement is to amongst other things help get these girls engaged as they stay home for months awaiting their bec results joyce kunadu aidan is the executive director of the girls support movement 
as an organization as a whole, we expect these girls who are currently going to write their BEC, their final year students, not only to go home with their academic knowledge, but go home with skills that can keep them busy. Because as they are going home, they have a lot of time on their hands, especially when their schools are not out for them to go out to school. So they have a lot of time on their hands and they'll be um, involved in a lot of activities. So they can start doing this. She also noted that there is a move to set up a skills training center in the area for girls to help them acquire skills training during their leisure hours. We are looking forward to set up a center which has all the tools and ingredients. So they just pack at themselves like they go to the library to read. Everything is provided in a center where whatever they have practiced there, they will go and then practice more to be perfect. If they wish to be set up or do something little aside their education, we are ready to support them. Some of the beneficiaries have been sharing with us what they intend doing with their quiet skills after the training. At the end of the girls empowerment projects, stop making. I'm going to learn a lot. And as a student, I need some money to get up for my education. And with the help of the girls empowerment project, I've learned how to make this machine so bleach and power zone. Yeah, and I can employ it very I am very enthused for taking part in this skill training. In fact, I've really benefited a lot from this training. And after my after I complete my JHS book, I'll make a bleach and sell to support my things. They expressed thanks to the organizers of the training session, particularly Joy News Impact Makers Award, Ellen White Opoku. May God richly bless Ghana Educational Service. I'm very, very thankful to them for the care and support for this training. And Madam Ellen White, may God richly bless her abundantly. Mrs. Ellen further called on stakeholders in the education sector to help partner the Girls Sustainable Development Program to help reach out to more girls across the municipality. We need support, we need financial support. It's not easy. Look at the number here. We have more than 2,800 girls. We need support to extend this all-important project to the other girls in the municipality. So we need support, all stakeholders to come on board. Philanthropists, we need support, please. Anna Sabit, Joy News, Tichiman. Well, chairman of Ghana's Hajj Board, Ben Abdallah Banda, says the board has commenced preparations towards improving the 2024 Hajj exercise. He's optimistic the early arrangement will help deal with a number of hiccups encountered in this year's Hajj organization. This comes following the safe return of the final batch of over 4,000 Ghanaian pilgrims who traveled to Saudi Arabia to partake in this year's Hajj. According to Ben Abdallah Banda, this year's pilgrimage has been successful. And as Sabit, once again with more. Hajj pilgrims filled with both tears and smiles left Mecca for their respective homes after completing the final ritual of the Hajj pilgrimage, leaving behind cherished memories and strengthened faith. Here in Ghana, at the Hajj village, these people eager to see the return of their families who were on board the last batch of the over 4,000 pilgrims who traveled to Saudi Arabia for Hajj waited patiently for their arrival. It's 11 p.m. and at last, these pilgrims touched down at the Kotoka International Airport. 
The visibly exhausted pilgrims were welcomed by members of the Hajj board and some cheerful family and friends back to the Hajj village where they wait to finalize their travel plans back to their respective homes. Chairman of the Ghana Hajj board, Ben Abdelabanda, thanked the government and stakeholders for their unflinching support in making this year's Hajj a success. Today, um, the final flight that lifted the final batch of our pilgrims uh, has just landed. Um, myself and Aziz Futra and uh, our third national vice chairperson, Alaji um, Masawood, who are members of the Ghana Hajj Board, and some other members here present were here to receive our pilgrims. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a learning curve for, for all of us. So let me seize this opportunity to thank the President, His Excellency Nanad Danko Akufado, for first of all reposing this confidence in us. And of course, the Vice President has also been very instrumental um, in this whole Hajj affair by giving us from time to time uh, pieces of advice. He asked that the preparations towards a smooth 2024 Hajj pilgrimage is already underway as the board seeks to commence its activities early in order to have a smooth Hajj and return on an early date. Next year is just at the corner. Inshallah, it is being equal. Next year's Hajj will begin in September. So we, have, we are in July. Next month is August. In September, they are going to start the preparatory grounds for the taking off of next year's Hajj. So we are also going to ready ourselves, gather ourselves, and do the necessary meetings and make sure that we leave early, get to Medina early, and finish our program in Maka early, and also leave Maka early. Alaj Masoud Osman is a member of the Hajj board. He's optimistic that the board would institute measures from the experience they garnered this year to help improve the 2024 Hajj pilgrimage. We, we take that experience. After seeing where we sleep, we tour all Mina and see other countries where they sleep. We have seen better places of some countries where they sleep. So we interact with them and, and see how do they come by getting this better place. So we had much, much experience taking that by Messiah, inshallah, we will give our, our pregnant the best reception, the best of feeding, and the best of transportation, uh, maybe from Mecca to Medina. Some of the agents who facilitated the processes of the Hajj pilgrimage commended the overall organizers of the exercise and expressed their joy for the successful airlifting of pilgrims back home. I want to commend all the Hajj board chairmen that I have worked with, Al Haji Ben Abdullah and Executive Secretary Farouk. Yeah. I want to commend them for their good work done, and I want to commend, you know, the Hajj committee for this year. And we expect them to do even much better than this year. Yes, yeah. Uh -huh. Board. For whatever reason, Sheikh Isa Abdullah is a member of the Ulama Committee that provided guidance to the pilgrims throughout their Hajj journey. He admonishes them to strive towards leading a much pious life to show that their journey to Mecca has impacted them positively. This is a humble message to my dear pilgrims, Alajis, and the Hajjis. 
that in the first place you must fear Almighty Allah. You must fear Almighty Allah. Number two, we must show that we have changed to be to the positive aspect. People should see the change in us. That oh, this person has gone to heart, and we have seen positive change in him. Hajja Muslia Muhammad on her part cautions would be programmed to desist from embarking on the Hajj pilgrimage by dealing with unapproved agents who leave them stranded in Saudi Arabia. Hajj, the fifth pillar of Islam, enjoins every Muslim who can afford and is physically fit to embark on the pilgrimage at least once in their lifetime. Anna Sabit, Joy News, Accra. We're taking a break. We'll be back with business to stay. important it's the only way you get to know the things that happen around you what affects you today and the future at joy news we have reporters scattered around the country who tell us about the communities they live in the people and their stories the key part of our job here at joy news is to make clearer the muffled voices in every part of society we shine light on the issues. My name is Aisha Ibrahim, and this is Joy News. Independent, credible, and fearless. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to demonstrate to you the superior properties of Flamingo paint as compared to other paint brands on the market. We take equal quantities of Flamingo paint and this ordinary paint we then dilute them with water and now let the test begin the gentleman on the left is going to apply the ordinary paint and the gentleman on my right will use the flamingo superior paint as you can clearly see flamingo has the obvious better hiding furthermore flamingo has painted a much larger area you know one bucket of flamingo paint is equal to several buckets of any other paint brand on the market. Flamingo paint is made with superior formulation to give superior durability, superior hiding, superior coverage. Flamingo paint, simply superior. We've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation. Oh no, we are out of range. Oh, don't worry, daddy. I have Alex in my bag. Alex what? Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM. 
Super Hits Radio. Radio. Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy FM. Hits FM. Love FM. Live on your Amazon Echo. Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying, Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana, play Joy FM or Hits FM or Love FM or catch up on your favorite podcast by saying, Alexa, play and then the name of your favorite podcast from Multimedia Ghana. For a list of all podcasts available, say Alexa. Ask Multimedia Ghana to browse programs. And we are back like we never lost signal. Alexa, welcome to Multimedia. For crystal clear and thrilling podcasts and live shows, download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, MyJoy Online, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible, Stitcher, Adam Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated. Six technical universities have set out to lock knives and ladles in the quest for the bragging rights as the Big Chef Tertiary School 2023. We know we are the best and we are not shaken by anyone. Hey. We are all the way from Takwa, the western, to Greater Accra. Oh no, come on. Visitors cannot come from anywhere and come and defeat us. We can prepare dishes that are going to see the judges all day. We are here to win. We are taking everything back to home. The battle line is drawn. Big Chef Tertiary shows this and every Sunday at 5 p.m. only on Joy Prime. Big Chef Tertiary, the kitchen has no boundaries. Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. The second clinic of the 2023 edition of the EcoBank Joy News Habitat Fair promises to excite patrons in many ways. The West Hills Mall will host all relevant players in the housing and construction industry in Ghana from Friday 4th to Sunday 6th August 2023 from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. This year's exhibition is under the theme Home Ownership, Affordability, Comfort or Luxury. Visit the clinic and engage the providers in the housing value chain on all your housing needs, be it financing, land acquisition, rent to own, outright purchase, roofing, lighting, electronic appliances, home security, or home furnishing. The Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair is your one-stop shop for everything housing. To register as an exhibitor, please call 0244-260-653. There will be daily giveaways by the sponsors to visitors at the fair. The Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair is in partnership with Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, and powered by the Plant City Extension Project from Cities and Habitats. Rent to Own and sponsored by Elegant Homes and General Construction Limited, where quality meets value. Syntex Tanks, a strong, a tough. Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair, affordability, comfort, or luxury.
Thanks for staying with us. You're still watching Draw Newsroom. It's time now for Business Economist at the University of Ghana Business School. Dr. Patrick Asumain is acting government to go heavy on the extractive sector in its media budget review. According to him, government should explore diverse ways of streamlining the activities of the sector to rake in more revenue domestically. We've seen a new one of the new taxes that were introduced have something on that. But, I mean, we are definitely not getting enough revenue from the extraction. But ultimately, we shouldn't only look in terms of the revenue side. We should look at how we use the extractives to build, uh, connect the extractive to other sectors of the economy, see how we can do more processing of some of our minerals and gain more value from the extraction, not just, and not just focus on raising more revenue from the extraction se extractive sector. You, you sense that we needed both because, I mean, the current debt that we have that we cannot pay is just not sustainable. We have to do something. But it's also important that we just don't restructure and, and refuse to address the underlying problem. There are clear issues with the way we've managed our cocoa sector. It's a very important sector for the economy, but unfortunately, some of the things that have happened, after several years of uh, doing the cocoa syndicated loan, we should have been in a better position than now. So, yes, the, the cocoa bills, the debt exchange we are doing around that will give us some temporary relief, but if you don't plug the hole, if you don't improve the way we are managing the cocoa, the cocoa sector, then you end up back here again. So I think it's important that we do both. We're taking a quick breather. We'll be back with sports to stay. Good morning. Welcome to Joy News Desk. My name is Aisha Brian. Let me tell you, there's not a small job at all. What can you report from the Fana community? We are still sounding the alarm for people who are hiding to know that help has come. The board is supposed to be meeting this morning to deliberate on this nominee. Yes, this problem has been recurring over time. The people have invested their, the fruits of their excellence and you want to throw it away because you think you can. No, it's not lawful for him to do it, period. What's the basis that these uh, financial assurances will be giving latest today? If you follow what has transpired over the week, we got the information when the president addressed uh, the media celebration indicating that China is going to come on board. How do I acquire a litigation-free land or property in this country? Should I buy a house or go through the building process? If I should buy, what are the critical stages and pitfalls? If I should build, how do I get started? Registration of land, who can help me? Can I just draw my own plan and build? What are the steps in getting a building permit? 
rising cost of building materials any any other options these artisans square seems to be ripping me off my money what can i do for bus and other building related issues join emmanuel Owusu-Ansa on the pyramid show every sunday from 3 p.m to 4 p.m on your favorite channel joy news television important it's the only way you get to know the things that happen around you what affects you today and the future at joy news we have reporters scattered around the country who tell us about the communities they live in the people and their stories the key part of our job here at joy news is to make clearer the muffled voices in every part of society we shine light on the issues. My name is Aisha Ibrahim, and this is Joy News. Thanks for staying with us. Now, Niger Coop leaders coup leaders have warned against regional and western powers against military intervention to reinstate the ousted president a statement claimed that regional body ECOWAS was preparing to approve a plan of aggression against niger the bloc of western african nations has not commented it is meeting to it is meeting today to actually determine the way forward. Meanwhile, hundreds of coup supporters protested outside the French embassy in May after France stopped aid. Some of them chanted, Long live Russia, long awaited Putin, and down with France. AFP News Agency report France would not tolerate any attack on its interests in Niger and would respond in an immediate and interactable table. President Emmanuel Macron's office said in a statement the coup has prompted a lot of violence and also neighboring countries wondering what's next. Burkina Faso and Mali both moved closer to Russia since their own coup. A third firefighter has died in Canada while battling the country's worst wildfire season on record. Authorities say the firefighter died tackling the Donny Creek fire near Fort St. John in the western province of British Columbia. People are evacuating an area further south in the province near the U.S. border. As fires swell out of control, a third of all fires currently raging in Canada are in British Columbia. So far this season, Canadian wildfires have burned down about 30 million acres of land, more than the land area of South Korea and Cuba. Residents in the town of Osios in the south province and its surrounding are raising concerns about it as the area we were told are being evacuated late Saturday after fire 
originating from the northwestern U.S. state of Washington, crossed into Canada. People in the town shared photos of the approaching fire on social media, including the image above. Two other firefighters have died in separate incidents this month in what has become Canada's worst wildfire season record. Well, that's it for World News and that's it for the Bulletin. You can also go to myjoyonline.com for more news. My name is Faustina Safo. Have a pleasant day as you enjoy the rest of our programs. Good afternoon.